0: <laughs> Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. <laughs> Coming in hot. I'm uh, your co-host Aaron. Next to me, beside me, across the room at twelve o'clock, eleven thirty. That's me. my Matt. co-host Matt. In case you forgot our names, that's and, good. And uh, we have we have an esteemed return guest. Uh, he's almost like a guest esteemed co-host. return guest.
1: He is an
0: erg. An esteemed return guest. Oh, oh, I've been called a lot of things. Never a nerd. <laughs> never a nerd. Going right for the acronym. This. Uh, Reverend Kevin Adams is joining us uh, this afternoon. I had to look at the time. Reverend, it Doctor, is afternoon. Reverend Doctor Reverend Dr. Dr. Kevin, Kevin. welcome, oh, Kevin. So good to be here. An host. honor. I want to. I want to get things. I want to get things popping right away today. We, we have important nothing less
1: from you Aaron. we have
0: important work to get to with Kevin but uh, it's 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 time for a new segment and, and uh, you know honestly this is long overdue that we it's a new segment yeah, a new, yeah not only fair. a new segment but this particular new segment
1: uh, why why this particular new segment because
0: um, I think it will become clear okay <laughs> and I'm not accepting any more questions on the matter <laughs> go ahead okay This is a miniature podcast within a podcast, a little thing I like to call Curious Creation, a Curious Church Podcast podcast. In this in this little in in this miniature (laughs) in a world where we are curious about that very world, uh, I think we come. This this came from sort of an outside conversation that Matt and I had. We were out in creation. We were being curious, as we are both want to do. Mm -hmm. And I thought we need to be answering these questions of the people, by the people, and for the people.
1: Yeah, to be clear, I was with Aaron, and I threw out a question, but I, listeners should know I directed it to his son. I directed it to the person I thought was most likely to answer my Probably question. Probably a good move. A wise Ooh. I did not actually ask Aaron my question. I asked Ian.
0: <laughs> he had some information. Uh, he's a smart little dude, but uh, I, I went somewhere to get more information yet. So, so, unlike Curious Church Podcast, where we don't pretend to know the answers to things or actually answer any questions, really... Even we're just we being do. curious even though we sometimes do the goal of curious creation. creation is to actually answer a question about creation okay okay this isn't going to take up a ton of time it's just a little bit a little thing that i think could enrich our lives and the lives of our listeners
1: i think if we keep talking about it we could make it so the intro to the new segment
0: is is the new segment is basically the new segment. <laughs> And this has been Curious, Curious Creation. Thank you for joining Thanks us. Thanks for listening. <laughs> so, what question are you answering okay, today? Okay, the question today is or Are um, we supposed to guess the question? Oh, no, <laughs> is this oh, one no. of those oh, it's, podcasts? It's a Jeopardy <laughs> Curious. Oh, creation. That's right. I you start get the answer <laughs> and we ask <laughs> <guess> the question. <laughs> okay, I did some research because the question came up What are tides? And I thought, well, I think I know what tides are. They have to do with the moon's gravitational pull, and they're sort of cyclical, and they come in and out, and they affect, uh, you know, coastal areas uh, along the ocean. And uh, but, I knew this much. Yeah. Yes. So that but that wasn't quite good enough for Matt, or for Ian, for that matter. Yeah. So here we go. Um, I went to a reputable source, the NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. Is that what that is?
2: That sounds really good. It big. does sound good. Uh, I thought you were going to say Wikipedia, yeah, but okay. I, oh, no. No, yeah. these
0: are uh, knowledgeable government scientists. Okay. This, this, they, have a segment, they have a section called The Short Answer, which is actually really excellent. High and low tides are caused by the moon. We knew that. The moon's gravitational pull generates something called the tidal force. The tidal force causes Earth and its water to bulge out on the side closest to the moon and the side farthest from the moon. <laughs> These bulges of water are high tides. Wait, Earth as well? I know, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Who knew? Isn't that amazing? If you see, if you were to see a picture of this, um, see if you can describe this picture, Matt. So that's Earth with oh, the, oh. the water bulging. It is as
1: if someone took a squash ball. Oh, good. Or racket ball.
0: Yeah. And or stood cricket on ball.
1: It, yeah. Or put like a
0: heavy weight on it. And the side that's kind of squished out is the side that's facing, facing the moon. Facing the moon and away from and the moon. side away from the moon. Oh my
1: goodness! It, this is extreme. This is a this is an extreme. Obviously, an extreme, right? extreme. It's not quite like that. Yeah. Oh, that's really incredible.
0: Now, the bulges stay where they are in their relationship to the moon, but the earth is still rotating. So the earth kind of rotates within that bulge of water. So when you're in one of the bulges, you experience high tide. When you're not, it's low tide.
1: Okay, and this is also why smaller bodies of water do not have tides because they're not large enough expanses. Yes. that they would be like split between the moon's influence and something else. Right. Right. Cuz I mean, that was one of my questions. I was like, "Where in the world does the water come from for high tide?" Right? Like is there just like bonus water or is it like draining <laughs> away somewhere? Like how does that work? But this makes sense. Oceans really I guess basically oceans have
0: tides. It's almost like you think of there's one giant I mean the uh, Oceans are already kind of one giant body of water. Uh-huh, but if you right. think of the oceans as like all together,
2: all together, a giant body of water, yeah,
0: that doesn't rotate. Like if you picture the earth rotating underneath the giant body of water, they're like they're bulging in the one place and then shallower in the other, yeah.
1: Feels like if the Earth was rotating and the body of water was staying the same, that would be really bad news for all of us, because we would be flooded every 24 hours.
0: <laughs> according to this, <laughs> according to this website, also the Earth, the like land, is also bulging. Yeah, that part is blowing that, my mind. That and is that but, I did not.
1: But right. it's, it's not new you know, it's information. Not noticeable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not like suddenly there's a mountain range. So if range.
2: You, I was going to say, if you're yeah. hiking. Your favorite mountain, Aaron, <laughs> at high mountain tide, <laughs> instead of it being fourteen thousand four hundred fourteen feet tall, might it be fourteen thousand four hundred and twenty yeah. feet yeah. tall? Yeah, yeah. At how, that moment, you, is there anything in that about how perceptible? Thanks or how for measurable? listening
0: to <laughs> Curious Creation <laughs> no podcast. No more questions. Than a podcast. Okay, that's
1: okay. That can be a future. How perceptible the is the Earth's bulge?
0: Uh, it's only noticeable. It's noticeable with highly, like precise precise, precise measurements. instruments. Okay. Yeah, but it's obviously not. So an astronaut in space would not see this. No, no. Nope. Okay, Nope. But that's still really wild that it impacts everything. Yeah. So I hope that that visual. It's hard to like in an audio medium. It's kind of maybe hard to describe. But uh, I hope that makes sense to the listener. And uh, oh, that we'll was a, we'll really interesting. Link. Yeah. We'll put a link in great. comments on oh, uh, nice. Facebook too.
1: That'd be great. So people can see it.
0: There you go, friends. Uh, podcaster than the podcast, this has been Curious Creation.
2: Curious Creation.
0: Okay, welcome back to Curious <laughs> Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I like how in your
1: mind it's not just a segment. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that. That's He's going rogue. On, right? He's going rogue. He doesn't need you anymore, Tim. And here's,
1: and here's I like it. Uh, podcast within <laughs> curiosity. No, 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 no. Oh no! Like no um,
0: I thought we'd go right into our conversation That's after it. that uh, podcast within a podcast. How do you feel about setting us up for this? We in, in the past we've talked about uh, Kevin's book, which we could still do a little plug for right here. One fifty, uh, your story in the Psalms. I think is the subtitle. Finding your story in the Finding Psalms. Yeah. In the Psalms? Uh, uh, an excellent read. Matt told me this week he has thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yeah?
1: uh, That feels like it's a pointed comment. (laughs) (laughs) True confessions. What I actually told Kevin is I hadn't read it before. (laughs) (laughs) And I still haven't read all of it.
2: After all these podcasts, that's kind of hard to believe. In the
1: past, if we're being honest, Sam was doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, fair us. enough. He is, he fair enough. Enough. So so He was coming yet. with such. That was an unfair jab. He was. It? <laughs> he was coming with such golden nuggets that right. uh, I didn't have to do any mining myself. But I did. I did crack it open, and uh, I wasn't surprised. But it's very good. It is very it's good. Very good. And I, other people saw me reading it, and said that is such a good book. So, so
0: not really, it yeah.
2: Huh? Our that friend would... Dolly. Our friend Dolly. Yeah. Saw me oh, it. yeah. Shout out to Dolly. Shout out to Dolly. Thank Dolly. you, Dolly. Yeah.
0: Well, I also had the opportunity to revisit it in uh, preparation for this conversation. so uh, And I was reminded that it is an excellent oh, book. Oh, you two are good so, people. Uh, so good work, Kevin. So everybody, go out and get it. Go out and get go it. Amazon Make Kevin it. a rich man. <laughs> Make it a bestseller, folks. Uh, but specifically within this um, sort of Psalms-centric book, we wanted to talk about the idea of Psalms and community right um and how maybe i can kick us off with this uh, i don't remember who you attributed the quote to but uh, a little bit uh somewhere in that chapter it had the idea that no christian is an only child oh you're right there eugene peterson hey we were just talking oh, about eugene peterson the last our friend episode eugene. uh but it's a, it's a i think that's a beautiful idea it's it's so easy to uh it's so easy to internalize um, prayer and sort of all the the emotions that come along with it in terms of lament or praise, it feels like. And I think there's a tendency maybe to do this in modern evangelical Christianity is to sort of be like me and Jesus. Yep. And uh, if we look at the Psalms as an example of how to pray and how to worship, it's very obviously, I mean, there's certainly elements of, you know, why me? Uh, but it's very, the, the communal... Um, the communal pieces that are in that are in the Psalms are
2: very very obvious. You know, we just did this amazing podcast within the podcast, yeah. Um, and really, it's to use the uh, scientific kind of phrase, it's a Copernicum revolution to move from thinking my prayer is all about me to my prayer is part of a communal prayer that goes uh, through all the centuries and all around the globe. It's a significant shift to stop thinking. My prayer is about me. It's about satisfying my own needs. It's about me being faithful in prayer. I think that's a prototypical evangelical thing. It's how faithful am I in prayer, which is, of course, a good thing. But uh, I like to quote my friend Tim Brown, who's president of Western Seminary for many years and a wonderful pastor. He said, the human heart is too small of a platform to build a prayer life on. And so God has given us a book of psalms of prayers that we pray back to him. And I find that a huge relief And a pretty big shift Hmm. for most people, like you're saying, Aaron. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I liked the story (laughs) where uh, people were. This group was intent to pray in the janitor's closet for two hours, and after 15 minutes, they were sort of (laughs) exhausted. (laughs) Well, that was fun. (laughs) That was more than we can bear. (laughs) I'm a I'm a creative human. I must create. You know, I must always be making a new thing. My faith depends on me kind of making it new by myself all the time.
2: Right, or uh, that's the fundamental job of our pastors or our church leaders. I think church leaders uh-oh. sometimes feel a burden of that. It's, I need to be creative and I need to be innovative. And sure, this is not a plea for them to be dull or <laughs> uninteresting or unprepared, <laughs> but to say, no, what we really do is, uh, we're like tour guides in a sense saying, look at this beautiful treasure, look at this beautiful treasure. Wouldn't you like to receive and take it in and uh, gaze at it, gaze on it for a while? And really kind of jump inside.
1: Uh, for you, Kevin, I'm kind of curious, because I think reading this chapter, you know, I read it, and I'm like, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I'm like, but have I ever really thought this before? <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, and partly, like, that's just personal background, like, growing up in kind of right. non-denominational churches. Uh, like, there's not, like, a prayer book. Right, where it's like, oh, like there's a huge group, you, you have less connection, in other words, to kind of a group of people beyond sort of your immediate con- church context and small groups sure. and things like that. But for you uh, and your sense of the Psalms, has this like been a lifelong thing? Was, has this been a journey yeah. into thinking of the Psalms as sort of this communal prayer or like, like what, what was that like for
2: you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's been uh, a journey. So, at one point in the book, I tell a story of waking up as a little child, an elementary school person, and coming downstairs at my grandma's house, the oldest of three boys. Grandma would be brave enough to take care of us all at the same time. And seeing my grandma uh, praying at the living room window and uh, with her book of Psalms uh, that was from her country of origin. And I was really taken in by that. I didn't know if I should interrupt her and ask for breakfast or just kind of (laughs) stop and wonder as a seven-year-old. And I was quiet enough person that just, I sat and watched her pray and then sing some of the Psalms. So, and John Calvin, you know, go back to 1500s, came up with this ingenious idea to teach Psalms to the children in day school, who would then teach them to adults during worship on Sundays. And so the the Reformed people, the Protestants, were known as those who were singing psalms from memory in the fields. Mm. So, we found the very Mm. best musicians, the very best uh, folks who can put the psalms to kind of a meter that could be memorizable more easily. And uh, then those are the folks in the field. So, I I think I grew up, well, I did grow up in that tradition. I think I grew up with that kind of all around me, not even realizing it. We had growing up a Psalter hymnal, not yep. just a hymnal, but a okay. Psalter hymnal. Mm-hmm. So, two thirds of the f- songs uh, that we regularly used in our book, in our worship, were f- salt, s- versions of the psalm. At the same time, um, a lot of those were Genevan tunes which were wonderfully hip and amazing in 1500s. <laughs> uh, but to a kid growing up in the you know, uh, late 1900s, not so interesting, yeah. uh, especially to organ music uh, at the time. So, so then, then it was easy to kind of leave all that as something old and unneeded. And even when we started Grant Springs Church, we didn't use psalms faithfully for uh, the first decade, I would say, but then mm. you come you start to pray and you start to get in touch with this tradition again and uh we I would say I turned back, and I think we as a whole community did, and we're quite a bit richer for it i think yeah
1: so uh, like I'm, I'm just kind of curious about the experience as a as a child you 're singing these hymns they 're not capturing.
2: Some of them are. aesthetically. Aren't for sure, well, some right? are. So, yeah.
1: But there are some that aren't. Did you have a sense of like I'm singing a 500, old, 500 year old tune as you sang that as a child? Or is it more just like these things just kind of seep into your bones? Does that make sense? I mean, it yeah. might be a hard question to answer because sometimes we're not, it's hard to remember yeah, what well, we're Well,
2: right. Of. And it's, it's sort of interesting what you're conscious of when you're yeah. a child or grade school and what you're not conscious of is sort of an interesting thing. I think looking back on it, I wanna say, I had the sense that I was doing something bigger than myself Mm. and I was being taught or for sure modeled something bigger than myself. I don't know how aware I was of that at the time. Sure. Um, At the time, you're trying to not fidget maybe or things like that as well. But I think most often in a kid's mind, all that gets tangled together. And just because you're trying not to fidget doesn't mean you're not getting some glimpse of something bigger than you. Um, the older folks especially would sing uh, the Psalms with a lot of gusto.
1: Hmm.
2: And um, you hear stories of people like in the Netherlands, for instance, in World War II where the Germans are in the back of church listening and the folks are singing lustily like Psalm 68, may God arise and his enemies be scattered. And the Germans are just thinking they're singing some hymn, the German soldiers. But the folks are saying, this is short term. You guys in the back with your guns? This Mm -hmm. is short term. And so I think that some of that was brought in immigration um, to different places and different settings yeah.
0: i i i I like the image of uh I'm, I'm of seeing our saints before us like you're watching your grandmother like when you see sort of a steadfast uh person in your life who you love right. um, be kind of savoring these psalms and you think of it just—it just is a reminder that community isn't all about um, being in the same room at the same time. Some, sometimes right. it's about looking at the generations before you, who have sung these same words, right. and same psalms. So just to think of community in terms of not just the here and now, but the you're, you know we're part of a community with you know a couple thousand
2: years of people. Right. And you're the psalms you've put to music, Aaron, are so beautiful and so uh, captivating. They, I, I think about your children and your grandchildren singing the songs you've written. Hmm. Besides hundreds of us, it's quite amazing, the gift you've given us. Um, or or think of it a, differently, a different way. Um, th- like Psalm 23 is maybe the most familiar psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Think of all the people who've had that set at a funeral. So hmm. imagine being someone your kid's age, someone in grade school, and you go to a funeral of someone you love and you hear that psalm. And then uh, you go to a funeral 10 years later and you hear that psalm. And then you go to a funeral of a close family member and you hear that psalm. And then you think about your own funeral and you think, yeah, I want that psalm. Hmm. And it's not just when you're saying it, it's not just me here and now. It's me being part of this long legacy Hmm. of people saying the psalms or praying the psalms. It's kind of remarkable, I think. So you're, I like Eugene Peterson's quote: "You're never an only child when you're praying the Psalms." That's mm. that's good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: I'm curious what you what you both think. Um, praying the Psalms in this way, with community—whether wh- actually physically with community or mindful of community—does does to a person? Like, what is that? What does that do to you spiritually,
2: uh, emotionally? Like, how does that impact your prayer life? You would hope at the better. Let me jump in, Aaron, and Mm -hmm. you can jump in. You would hope at the better moments you would have a kind of an inner settledness. Hmm. Because what I, we Matt and I just got a uh, kind of letter from someone today, and it's really tempting to say my faith depends on me, and so I'm going to run around. I have to have a certain feeling. I have to have a certain validation that happens. And for sure, uh, the Holy Spirit says, yeah, produce fruit in you. So there should be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. There should be good works in you. But it's not first about that. It's about a settledness of belonging. And the Psalms are a way of belonging to someone bigger and deeper and to a group of someone. It's called the church. Someone bigger and deeper. So... Um, it's not about us feeling a certain thing at a certain, sometimes people say, well, it's inauthentic to pray a Psalm of lament, let's say, when you've, things are singing, you know, soaring along and you're, you're singing happy songs, that kind of thing. But if you think somebody in the global church is lamenting, or if you open mm-hmm. the newspaper, it's not so far away. Mm-hmm. So to say a Psalm or to pray a Psalm in that global setting is uh, to be part of something big, even if you're by yourself Doing kind of your morning uh, devotions or psalm reading. Yeah.
1: At one point you say in the book, belonging to a church or family often connects us to losing.
2: Yeah. Which I think
1: is kind of to what you're saying. If you have family, you have loss. You'll experience some kind of yeah. loss. Or your family's experiencing loss. Or so, you know,
2: someone in the church is experiencing loss. So yeah. you're connected to this. I just read a letter... Uh, by an interim pastor, a pastor who comes in sort of after a long-term pastor and maybe before another long-term pastor, hopefully. And he just wrote his, this congregation is in the Chicago area. And he said, uh, being part of a church is almost always to be connected to loss. I thought it was fascinating, right? There, there's, There's leaders you love who move places. There's people who maybe switch churches. There's people who you lose to death. There's just loss going on all the time. Mm. And I thought, Oh I don't like to think of it that way <laughs> but it would but it's really true, and the psalms are there for us in all of that and uh, the flip side
1: too is the psalms also depending on which psalm can connect you to joy,
0: and sometimes both psalms at the same yeah, time, yeah, which yeah. is very interesting yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. I love uh back to lament for a second i love uh I love what you said a minute ago that to to answer somebody's question, to, if somebody comes up to me and says, says, well, why do we do lament? Why do we sing Psalms of Lament at Granite Springs? And I think those questions are getting fewer and fewer as the people, this starts to dawn on people. But I had never, I never really thought of it as singing, uh, singing, singing like on behalf of the global church. Cause it is, there are times when songs of lament seem really obvious. Um, within the context of a worship service, whether it's external events or the the right. kind of the passage for the day or the theme of the day or whatever. Uh, but but to note, just to, to recognize and sort of be in solidarity with the entire Christian community, there's loss somewhere right. and there's grief. Uh, and, and to think sort of outside of the walls of our church um, in that idea of lament, I think is uh, really kind of what the church is supposed to be doing.
2: Yeah, and it has a way of forming us, doesn't it? You can think about the African-American tradition where they don't sing psalms per se, but they have a, a long history, with good reason, of lament and of crying out, also of joy. So they're, they're close together. Mm-hmm. So, But they're being formed all along, and their community is being formed from a young age to to access both joy and the pain and suffering and to be honest about to look straight at it. And it's tempting for, I think, certain evangelical Christians to detour. It's like the joy becomes proof that you're following Jesus well. Um, and, and, yeah, well, again, back to the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about this summer, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, yes. But there's always lament going on someplace. And to prepare in advance, uh, it, it puts you in touch with a global church. There's always someone suffering. Put puts you in touch with people in the neighborhood. There's always someone suffering. But... Um, it's, it's also a way to sp- spiritually form. Just think about 9-11, when that happened. Uh, there's a lot of places and spiritual communities that had no words because they hadn't exercised lament mm-hmm. in advance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea of prayer and belonging,
1: and the song, like, that's just, uh, that's a framing that I don't think I've ever thought about prayer doing before.
2: Yeah
0: what do you mean
1: <laughs> like i i don't know that i've ever thought like oh one of the things that happens when i pray is that i experience belonging oh. you pray as part of a as big community rather than yeah, praying yeah. by yourself and like that's like one of the long-term effects of my prayer life yeah like is that i belong more fully yeah. through using
2: yeah sort of the classic
1: prayers in the psalms i, I hmm. think if you would have if you'd asked me to make a list, that would have not been ever on my list. Yeah. Like, I could have given you a list of all kinds of things. Oh, it will make me closer to God. It will make me more empathetic for other people. If I'm doing sort of intercessory prayer, uh, it'll slow me down. It'll make me more reflective. I would have never said, I, now I would say, <laughs> number one, no. I think you've that changed. you've been curious. But I don't know that before kind of this, even this conversation, maybe I would have said, like, one of the one of the core byproducts of prayer is is belonging, which, which I mean, just means essentially that I, I probably historically bought into this sort of, uh, narcissistic understanding of prayer. That it's really, is something that you do like that I do by myself. And I, like, if there's a group around, sure, they can join in.
0: I, th- I think that's an easy, I think that's an easy path to go down, especially I, i I grew up with sort of um, Jesus's words about praying in secret, and it's the Pharisees who oh, yeah. make oh. all their prayers known to everybody so in my mind, like ideal prayer did feel I wasn't taught that it was an individual thing, but sort of the practice of it meant that I was alone in a sure. room and so the idea of community and prayer uh, just just had never really occurred sure. to me so i I think that i yeah. So it's, it's easy to imagine, oh, I'm praying with a community when I'm in the same room with some people. Right. Uh, but to be able to pray by yourself and still know that you're praying with a community, um, that's, uh, that's also a new idea for me. And
1: Christian traditions with sort of a history of uh, intercession to saints have a, probably a richer idea of this, right? So, like, the best version of this is you are asking the saints to pray for you. And then you're praying alongside of them, right? So there's there's just a more natural, like that has a more natural community layer yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, but for those of us in a Protestant tradition, yeah, I, I, would, I tend to think of prayer as like a private thing. Right. Right. Like it, oh, and even would have heard this in sermons. It's amazing. You have a phone line directly to God. Sure. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's no one, that's one wiretapping a, that's that such line. A popular, there's that's no just, one wiretapping. Like, you have direct access. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, okay, I have direct access. You don't need Mary. It's just <laughs> but, <laughs> you and Jesus. Which has yeah. some, like, beautiful yeah. truth in that, right? Because of Jesus, we do have direct access to God. Sure. But it's also,
2: it's we have We. We're always access. praying in the community. community even yeah. by ourselves. Yeah. And, yeah. and there are there's not just one kind of teaching about prayer, obviously, in the New Testament as we're exploring together. I think sometimes what we under-communicate is how Jesus really tapped into that whole community. So when he says, our Father would, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, he's really, it's he's quoting Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the honor and glory because of your love and faithfulness. So when he prays, uh, into your hands I commit my spirit, he's praying lines from Psalm 31 that every Hebrew child would have played Well, most Hebrew children would have prayed before they went to bed. It was sort of the, now I lay me down to sleep Mm -hmm. of the first century. (laughs) And when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So uh, it's Psalm 22, right? So he's praying these communal prayers. When he's teaching his disciples to pray, he's teaching them back to community. So while he's also saying, don't don't, um, do this for show, be authentic, He's, uh, one way we are authentic is to pray in community, right?
1: That's that's Which really interesting uh, framing, Kevin, because I, I had like a couple of kind of visceral responses as you're talking. Like part of me, it, I can feel like the, wait, you're saying Jesus didn't make those lines up? Like that's not original <laughs> Jesus words? <laughs> like, hold on. like, he, Shouldn't he be doing his own thing? Like, Did he have footnotes? Were yeah, there footnotes? Did he give know, credit? It's kind of interesting, right? Just to observe that, that thought flipped through like like wait i commend my like spirit like that's not original jesus stuff it sounds so robust and so like surely that's jesus but then but then for you to say like actually he's doing a more authentic thing by pointing people back to community and praying alongside of them like the tendency i think
2: for us might be oh if it's not original it's not authentic right right Mm -hmm. and if i don't believe it fully right now It's not authentic. So we we, we become authentic chasers. We're chasing our authenticity Mm. rather than letting the community as a whole be authentic and be genuine together. Because I belong to this community and these are the prayers of the community, the Psalms. I I am being true to the community and to the God who gave the community these Psalms, these prayers, Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, Ooh. that was good you guys that was very good
1: all <laughs> started because i thought jesus was more original <laughs>
2: <laughs> was yeah. there a flash of disappointment no. there for a minute no, Matt, well, what was that I, you
1: know you can imagine people being being disappointed like i like or surprised can, or, or disappointed surprised which or, is it yeah i think maybe a little bit of both because we do so often like associate authenticity and originality and like even like I don't know. People probably I've at least experienced the burden of extemporaneous prayer. So like prayers where you're just making up the words, and it like as you making up, you're crafting the prayer as you go, rather than sort of having it prescribed or written. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like there's always a little bit of a burden to that. Like sure, okay, this has weight. uh, Like I have to like that I'm carrying along, and there's pressure there. (laughs) Sure. Like oh to oh to have words that just have weight in themselves. Right then. You like there? I think for a lot of people, there is a little worry. Like, well, but those aren't my words,
2: right? You know. Well, one of the things I teach uh, spiritual formation for pastors and say uh, over this two-year formation process, wouldn't it be great to memorize, say, five or six key psalms that track with some of the predominant moods? So uh, you learn Psalm one thirty. So when you you go into a desperate situation, you can pray this prayer of. Um, Really lament. um, um, Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my prayer. Or you learn Psalm 23, so you're not reading Psalm 23 out of a book, but Mm -hmm. you have it in that moment. Or you're, for your own sake, you're learning Psalm 3 uh, about your enemies. Turns out we all have enemies. We did a different podcast on that. That's right. Mm -hmm. So there's just, or or, uh, Psalm 100, which is uh, give thanks to the Lord uh, themed. Mm -hmm. So you have words to say. I think that's one of the reasons you want your children. To know these good songs of Aaron, because they echo the the Psalms behind them, and they're being formed and shaped, so they they'll have words all their life. Right. Good words. Yeah. <laughs> Rich words.
0: It does put a smile on my face to hear a kids, you know, singing a Psalms chorus like around right. the house, like it's just in their head for oh, whatever yeah. reason. And he thought. I don't know what's happening, like in this exact moment, but if this sticks with them and their heart just kind of grabs onto it accidentally you know it's going to
2: maybe it's going to form them you know over the years so and you say accidentally because it's so natural to you but it's it's purposeful in your house this is going on regularly Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 at
1: one point in your chapter kevin you say in a surprising twist praying the psalms in community makes them more truly personal Freed from the confining tyranny and limits of our own individual experience, they become more deeply our own. Singing the Psalms is part of an ageless tradition. Our vision for the world and a clear sense of our place in it continues to grow. I think that's so compelling. The idea that, in other words, what you're not arguing. Throw yourself to the community and lose yourself. Right. Right. It's actually, there's, there's another move. You depend on the community And on God's gift, who's given these words to the community and in your dependence, you find yourself expanding, right. Sort of growing like this, this line, uh, freed from the confining tyranny and limits of our own individual experience. Yeah. Like the idea of my experience sometimes not giving me, like, I just don't have frameworks or words to use. Right. And then the community gives us, I love that. I
2: heard a wonderful speaker uh, this summer who basically reminded uh, those of us in majority culture in the United States that one of the reasons we haven't learned lament is because we've been dodging pain and we've not mm. been admitting the pain that's been caused in uh, some of my more more minority communities. And he he was really, in a sense, I think, pleading pleading for Christians to have the whole the whole book. Mm. Uh, and he, he did, in fact, a survey of contemporary Christian music. And he said, um, as generous as he could be in terms of the biggest definition of lament, he could possibly, if he just hinted at lament, he called that a lament <laughs> song. And I think he got up to like 5 or 7% lament in contemporary Christian music. by the And he's, he would say right away, the Psalms are 40%. I think that's one example of our own personal experience kind of biasing us in a way where we're not really in touch with the whole community or the whole truth of what's going on around us.
1: My mind sometimes goes to the really practical like how how do you do this um, so like you're
0: praying it's that enneagram 1 thing again <laughs> just get it right it. I, I want to do it, it, get, it get it right, right. get it, it right next. That's, this is a whole we'll, we'll be other twos for today we'll yeah. help you get it yeah, right, thank you right. You yeah. remember last episode there's a high bar great expectations
1: yeah. <laughs> And And so, there is some of that, which is a tendency that's sometimes unhelpful. I, I recognize. It. But I do sometimes wonder, like, how do you how do you do this? You're praying, you have a psalm before you. How do you cultivate maybe this? Uh, like one way I can imagine is like like I tend to be visual. so do you do you visualize sort of people with you around you? Uh, are there kind of practical ways that you can help cultivate an awareness? Obviously, Praying the Psalms is not dependent on you having an awareness of the community. There's riches to be found without sort of cultivating that. Like just what you were saying as a child, like was I aware of it? I was maybe aware that it was bigger than myself, but I was also trying not to fidget. But still, the beauty is working on us in some way. Right. But are there ways of cultivating kind of this awareness, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think there are a couple ways come to mind. One is uh, to follow the liturgical year or the lectionary calendar. So every week uh, there's assigned a um, Old Testament passage, New Testament passage, gospel passage, and a psalm. So they're built into the wisdom of following that uh, lectionary year. Or what that is is a pattern of Bible reading that happens over time. So over time you read all the books of the Bible and you read all the the Psalms. Uh, that, that's one practice, or to put it differently, to sing or pray the Psalms during a Sunday service regularly, which we do, whether it's the lectionary Psalm or not. There, there's a certain kind of modeling in that that's pretty priceless, I think, for people of all ages, people in all moods and, temperance and temperaments and backgrounds are singing this together, whether it's 150, which you've done a wonderful rendition of, or Psalm 8, which would seem to fit uh, the other Podcast within the podcast. That's that's one way that comes to mind, and then there there are different ways. When I talk about spiritual formation for pastors, I think this applies to everyone. We talk about multiple ways, uh, and then finding your own spiritual formation voice. One one that's been helpful for me that I practice pretty regularly is daily office. So it goes back to the 1500s. You have much like on Sunday every every it's just, uh, with uh, apps. It's so easy. Every day, there's an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, a gospel reading, and multiple Psalms. Um, And you can read this in the morning and the evening, and there's two Psalms for each. The evening Psalms tend to repeat themselves. The morning Psalms have some variety. But when I pray those, I think, I'm not by myself, even though I'm almost always by myself. I'm part of this whole gigantic community of different centuries and different languages and different denominations praying the Psalm today. It's kind yeah. of re, it's kind of remarkable. So I don't know if I'm always conscious of that. Sure. But I am conscious of that. So there are a couple couple ways, I think. Hmm.
1: Those are really helpful leaning into the structures that the community has created to help remind us of community, right, together, right, and singing together. Yeah, that's really that's really a helpful answer to that question, I think.
0: I have a I have a layman version I love of it. an answer. Oh yeah, let's hear it. I will also evaluate your answer. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, I know. There's uh, I think there's power. We talked last. Ep- i keep referring to last episode. We talked about the power of language and and uh, w- words meaning something. And I think sometimes subtle um, but valuable vocabulary shifts can move us toward thinking more like having the psalms be more sort of at the tip of our tongue. Uh, like a couple examples would like when you when you read a story about some like the, the newest sort of tragedy in the news, um, uh, I I my instinct used to be, uh, sort of a sort of ferocious, like internally internal ferocity or something. Yeah. Um, and it's what it's shifted to is more of a how long, oh Lord. Yeah, um, or like sort of the other end will, if there's some something that's sort of majestic or miraculous or joyful or beautiful that found its way into your life, the reaction might be uh, more of a Psalm eight, uh, where as this the, the majesty of this thing um, is
2: dwarfed by God's love for us. Right. It's part. It's part of the whole. Care providential care of God for the world. Yeah. I love what you're saying, and you not you have not only taught us original Psalm versions, which are delightful, but you've also uh, modeled and taught us some tizze, uh Sometimes they're called versicles, but simple choruses or refrains. Yeah. And this is a long-standing tradition of the church as well. Sometimes there'd be a cantor in front who would who would maybe lead in the. The bulk of the or the body of the psalm, and then the community would would sing or chant this this verse. But having that verse inside, when you read the new, the news, mm-hmm. uh, or when you th- talk to your family members in different parts of the country and hear what's going on mm-hmm. with them, seems profoundly appropriate.
1: Hmm. How, how have you? That was that was a good <laughs> answer, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. How, as long as we're evaluating, that was good. <laughs> I'm teasing, uh, but how was your like? How have you cultivated that? Like, pra- like practically, is that just familiarity with the song? I think it some, is. Yeah. I think
0: it's just familiarity. Yeah, and uh, any. I mean, anytime uh, Kevin's kind of talking about this too. Just said this, but anytime you want to have sort of in in certain new vocabulary um, into your sort of everyday life, I think versifying it does help or having a tune with it does does help. Um, some, some of the, I mean, there are some sort of common phrases in the Psalms that are almost inseparable now in my mind from the melody or the rhythm uh, that's associated with a song that I know from them, whether it's my song or another. <laughs> like one. what sure. would
2: be a couple examples just because you're a musical person that might be helpful for us? Um, they're very simple They're Very yeah. simple phrases So Oh My yeah. Soul I
0: associate kind of with the Da 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 That oh, I yeah. have And then That's why you know? I thought As soon as
2: you said it Yeah, yeah. I was tracking with you There's Isn't a it, psalm That says something yeah. That you were tracking with uh-huh. him Because that's not Been 10 years We've been singing that song It's just a shorter Couple t- years yeah. It's a couple years yeah. yeah So that's beautiful Yeah And I will now sing it For everyone <laughs> <One, two,
1: laughs> yeah. No that's
2: another yeah. example That's a great And that's example. all folks
1: Yeah
0: <laughs> I have a Uh I don't think you, any of you have heard this yet, but I did write a Psalm 23 for um, something. Um, and I actually rather like it, but Holding but out on it's, pretty, it's pretty yeah. literal. So it really is almost, I think, the exact New King James version oh. of it. Oh, wow. Well, like pretty much word for word. So it's a different challenge to do musically. So I'm not sure if it's super singable, but it okay. allows me to sort of internalize it in a way that, it just maybe it's just a maybe this is boils down to being a memorization tip or something, but it it does allow music allows me to kind of take it in in a way that uh, just the words don't do. Your
1: familiarity is
0: flowing from working with the Psalms significantly. Yeah, yeah I mean, I to have, write a song is to yeah, spend time. I have the privilege of being sort of involved pretty intensely with week to week, so it's not just uh, the Psalms that I get to write, but it's the the way that we as a church lean so much on the psalm. So it's calls, you know, call to worship and um, prayers and uh, liturgies and all that kind of stuff. But the
1: beauty is we can now benefit too from your familiar, the work that's led to your familiarity, right? Because we can, in fact, you share most of these uh, songs that we sing. They're yeah, yeah. on our website. They're on your website. They're, yeah. Right, everywhere music is sold. I don't know.
0: If that's that's uh, yeah, might not be yeah. True, but yeah. Felt like the right <laughs> I thing to so. say. <laughs> I, I see the
2: Amazon truck outside bringing
0: in. We just did this episode to sell more of Kevin's books yeah, and more yeah. of my music. But um, no, I think I can speak for Kevin when I say that this is all. This is all. We create this, these things because we we love and believe in what we're doing. Yeah, so, and yeah. we're still in, on some level maybe chasing authenticity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we are a mixed bag, yeah, always
1: Can, should we do takeaways? Do you want to do anything? Yeah, like that? let's
0: do a couple takeaways.
1: Mine would just be this idea that um one of the things that praying the Psalms does to you is it gives you a sense of belonging.
2: That, that's a, that's a wonderful reminder and not just that we follow Jesus alone, but when we're inviting someone new in we're inviting them in a deep rich community complex imperfect yeah. um, mm-hmm. meddlesome muddle muddling kind of community but <laughs> deep and rich at the same time yeah i'm kind of my one of my takeaways would be how do we get this sort of in the life of your average listener and and the three of us how to your question at the end Matt like how does how does this really work practically mm. and how do we foster that because i think we do a pretty good job of modeling it mm. on sunday but how do we kind of help connect the dots for folks in a way mm. that's life-giving and accessible mm. yeah it's good good questions i think that's all we can do
0: that's, for today i think we've we've done, <laughs> we've, we've, done, done we've done such done good best. work
2: <laughs> <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord for He is good; His love endures forever. We are good. Oh, uh, man. well, thanks,
0: Kevin, for joining us again. It's always great to have some actual wisdom in the room. It's always to be your wingman. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good
2: to be your wingman. Three o'clock, right here.
0: And if uh, listeners, if you have questions uh, or other topic ideas, keep those coming. If you have topic ideas for. The new, much heralded podcast <laughs> within a podcast, a long and curious creation, and you don't feel like spending five minutes on Google. We will send, send those in. You. Send those in. We'll, we want to. We want to learn some stuff about uh, this curious creation of ours. That's I like that. That's a good idea. So uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Until next time, I'm not going to say let's wrap it up until next time. So I'm going to cut all this out. So until.
1: <laughs> Please leave it in. Now. So
0: let's. All right. So let's say goodbye. Until next time. I'm Aaron, I'm Matt, I'm Kevin. Thanks for being curious with us.